Uh, it's good to see you all. Thank you for joining us online. Let us know you're there. Make a comment. Tell us, tell us your Jesus story. We'd love to hear that. And I encourage you, I want to just second what Pastor Jeremy was just saying. We want to hear your stories. I loved it. Last, uh, even two weeks ago when I was preaching on you know, your story, their story, God's story, I had a bunch of people telling me stories. So we want to hear those. They're exciting. And their stories are still being written, and which is just amazing. I want to thank Pastor Jeremy for kicking off the series last week. He did a great job. Can we give him a big hand? I don't know. He's, I don't know where he is, but... Great job. And I want to also thank Terry and Sharman for ter- telling their story. It's a powerful... Yes, you can give them a big hand too. The honesty, the transparency, it's... You know, sometimes it takes that to really help people want to change. You see people change and it gives you the inspiration that you realize, I could do this too. If they can do it, I can do it. And I want to praise God for their miracle and for everything that's going on with that. I want to also thank Pastor Nick... Uh, something that's hard to imagine is how much time it takes to actually produce videos. You know, he'll shoot maybe 30, 45 minutes of video and then edit it down to the two, three minutes we see. And then uh, even the trailer you saw, this bumper, was different than last week. So, I mean, it's just so time-consuming. And I just appreciate God, his God-given talent and all of that. I want to just say a couple things before we jump into this week, though. And I want, us to, I want, want you to be prepared for this. So we are going to have an altar time, and uh, when we have an altar time, I want to encourage you to be willing to come and pray. I know that I know how that is. I grew up in church, and I remember sitting there sometimes and feeling, "Should I go? Would I? I don't want to go." And do I need to go? Yeah, you probably need to go. But then people might see me and wonder why I'm going. And anybody else feel like that? Is it just me? It's okay if it's just me. I'll just talk about me. Uh, You know, I remember too thinking. God, why am I embarrassed to go? And having this cold cunt thing go in my mind. And, and I tell God, you could do the same thing right here. What's the difference? It's 20 feet. Here's the difference. I don't believe that this is necessarily... I hesitate to even say it this way. You know what it is? It's me stepping out and saying, I need prayer. It's, a, it's an act of humility where you say, I need some help with this. And I need someone to stand with me. And maybe you just need to come and pray. In fact, what we're talking about today, as I was preparing this, you know, the video you see is really cool and encouraging, but I know I'm going to step on some toes today. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to not elbow somebody because it's not really about them, it's about you? It's easier to think about others, isn't it? When I know what their problems are, it's really easy to see, but our own are difficult to admit. But for a lot of this, you have to do something. And we're well aware, as we were praying about this series, and even starting off with Sharman and uh, Terry's story, we realized that that would, that would be an issue that a lot of people are struggling with, but we realize that one sermon, one moment doesn't always fix those things. God can do miracles in a moment, but it doesn't always work that way. A lot of times, we have to choose. We have to decide, all right, I've got this new information. What am I going to do with it? I need to evaluate. I need to pray. I need to work on it. I need to talk to somebody. Maybe a, maybe a parent or a spouse or a friend or a counselor. I need to work through these things. I need to get help with this. I need to come and get prayer. And maybe more than one time. I was talking with some young men at that men's event on Friday who came forward to the altar. And, and uh, it was a salvation appeal. And I went to talk to them like, hey, is this the first time you guys have prayed? And it was really, I try not to laugh just because I grew up in church. And basically they said, ah, no, nah, we've done this a lot. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. And they're like, this is kind of a rededication. We just want it to stick this time. I said, well, I can agree with you in that. 
And that's what it takes. The, the key is never to give up, to keep standing up and do this. I want to read this scripture for you. Second Peter 1, it says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everybody. There's a lot of you doing something in those verses. Did you catch that? We don't just hear things and change. It's like the old story where you know, the, the kids were struggling in school, and so he thought, I'll just put the math book under my pillow, and it'll seep into my brain. Nah, you got to do something to change. You need to move and change something. You can't do the same things and then expect different results. And you may have wondered, which I hope you do when you read scripture, because that first line said, in view of all this. In view of all what? Well, what it is, is you need to understand this part. If you look just a couple verses ahead, may God give you more and more grace. I love how he wrote more and more. That construction, think about that, more and more. I need grace. You know how much? More and more. Okay. More and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous grace and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. What that means is you've got to do something And he does something. He is working in you to make these things happen. All right, you guys ready for this? All right, let's see this video. Hi, my name is Maddie Harper, and this is my Jesus story. I graduated from Missouri State University last spring. I had a degree in illustration, um, and I was kind of at... I reached, I feel like I reached the end of the road kind of until my life up to that point. Um, And it wasn't really an option of a crossroads. I was just kind of staring into an open field, not sure what I was supposed to do next. Um, And God led me to this friendship with someone from high school. And that led to her inviting me to move to uh, Lawrence, Kansas with her. I had never moved out of my hometown before. So when I was in Lawrence for the first time, I only knew two people in the whole town, my two roommates. And it was a very weird feeling. And as we were there for a few months, I was looking for a church. I was looking for a community. Um, I felt a little stranded spiritually at the at that moment because um, I left all, like my church behind in Springfield, Missouri. And then my mom reached out and she said that, do you remember Pastor Nick and Brittany from our church when we when I was a kid back in elementary school in Springfield? Um, and I said, yeah. And she said, they're in a church in Leeds Summit. You should go check it out. It's a little bit of a drive, but it could be something good. So I came one Sunday um, and Brittany came and said hi to me and then she uh, introduced me to Riley who is in the young adults group Um, and so I went to that the next night Monday night to the young adults group and I'd never felt more at home in a group whenever I came in there and that's like when it clicked for me that I was where I was supposed to be literally the first night I went to young adults I left it and I called my mom and I was like this feels like a god thing like I was just on cloud nine I felt incredible so before this and throughout my whole life, I've dealt with really bad social anxiety as well. And it's been a journey, at least like the last two years, I had a huge coming to God moment and he kind of opened up my eyes about a lot of that. It was like God was presenting me an opportunity to be like, okay, now I need you to keep showing up and keep trusting me because a lot of the social anxiety that I had was around 
what are they gonna think of me? What's gonna happen? What am I gonna say? What are they gonna say? How am I gonna leave? Every time I drive here an hour away, which I love the drive too, because it gives me a chance to get in the right headspace and give it over to God. I'm like, I'm freaking out over tonight, God. I don't know what I'm gonna do when I show up here. I don't know what's gonna happen. But every time I came, it ended up being incredible and I left so filled up just with community and with God. So since coming, um, I at first came just because I felt very connected, but without even realizing God began opening doors for me to serve as well, which I've never felt this kind of passion to do at a church before. So through Pastor Jeremy and young adults, he began talking about stuff to do with emerged youth, and that's kind of just fallen into place too without like, it feels like so much of it is just God's doing, and that's incredible. And like, I feel so blessed to have this opportunity in this community that the drive feels like nothing to me. I'm like, I would, I would do this drive all the time if I could have this church in this community because it's something I've been searching for my whole life. So the drive is, is nothing to me. This is where I am and I feel like I'm on the threshold of whatever he has next for me too. And I think that's really exciting. Hi, my name is Maddie Harper and this is my Jesus story. <laughs> hey, can we celebrate her story? That's an exciting story. Oh, man. And when you see her, you, know, you need to don't activate her social anxiety, but you need to just encourage her because that's really cool. It's really exciting. And um, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, I, I, I hear that story and I want that. I literally want that to be everybody's story. And I know it's not always everybody's story. I know that. But I want it to be. I want everybody to... I want to, <laughs> This sounds so crazy. Well, I don't know. It sounds silly. But I, I want everybody to love everybody. And I want everybody to be healthy and whole. Is that so silly? No. Isn't that what we all want? Is that why we come here? But it's hard sometimes, isn't it? I, it was, I was driving to work and I heard a, um, this guy being interviewed about a book he had written. It's, it's a book he's... He teaches his class at Harvard Business School on success. And here's what's interesting about this book. It's a twist on what most people would think of success. And then he said a lot of the people that are actually attending the class, because the word has gotten out what it's really about, and it ends up being older students or students getting their master's or on and on, because what he's talking about is he's defining success as contentment in your 80s. What does it take to be there? Now, what most people think success is, is more stuff, right? Remember that old bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins? And then somebody had a line, like a response to that, like, actually, you still die. Because stuff doesn't satisfy in the end. And what he does in the book, because a lot of the people he's working with at the Harvard Business School are high-achieving people. And what he's found is that high achievers, a lot of times, what the achievement itself ends up almost working like a drug, produces this dopamine in their system. He's got all, done all this research about it. So the next sale or more sales, and it's never satisfied. So then by the time they retire, they no longer have that achievement track success. So they feel so depleted and they're unhappy. And they can look at all the plaques on the wall or cars in the driveway or whatever 
That's not what they were fighting for. They thought it was, but it wasn't. So he starts to dig in. And there's some, there are some interesting things he finds that people find success. But can you guess what the number one thing was? The number one indicator of a person feeling successful in their 80s. It was a true friendship. True friendship. Now this guy, I do not think he was a Christian. I do not know. The only reason I don't think he was a Christian is because he never said anything about that. And as he talked and as he described this relationship that people could have, I thought, oh my goodness, that's what the church is supposed to be. Everything he said is what the church was supposed to be. And I thought, if he was a Christian, he would surely say something about that. Like if, if, you, if you had a relationship or had a church family, you would have those things, I would hope. Because he talked about that, how important it was. And he says, what happens is a lot of those success-oriented people, they know people, they consider friends, but then when they get to a certain point in their age, they realize they were competitors, they were corroborators, they were people they worked with to achieve goals, but they weren't really friends. They didn't have anything in common, they didn't share life together, they didn't share heart, they didn't share meaning, they didn't have a common, the, the most important thing in their world wasn't the same. It was all about success, how they could use people or achieve. Hard, they call them hard strivers. What's sad in a lot of ways, the pandemic exposed a lot of that. And that's why he wrote the book is because he found that all these people were just crashing and ended up you know, quitting their jobs or they were going into therapy because the, the pandemic took away from them the, the platform and the stage by which they had that need met. And they realized then they didn't have real relationships already. You think about that. What in the world? Where are we at with that? Connection's hard. Whether it's social anxiety, like Mandy mentioned, or just the fact that our schedules are busier than they've ever been. And life is like that. And it comes at you these different ways. There's all these superficial connections we make. And, and think about, too, like, I love social media, but I also am very aware that it can pull away from real relationships People feel like they know people when they don't. You know, you feel this thing about Facebook friend or maybe you see somebody you haven't seen in a while and you feel like you're caught up because you've seen pictures of their kids and you realize you don't really know them at all because all you know is that highlight reel that they posted online like we all do and it's not really real life. You don't know them. What's going on is, and as we get older, we get more set in our ways. We're less open to different or meeting new people or doing new things. Sometimes it's just stage of life. Have you noticed that? That at a certain stage of life, it's normal and natural to get to know people. And maybe it's because we're thrust into the school system. We see people we don't live near, but we're friends. We live in the same area. And, or maybe at work, you might meet people. But then at a certain point, you know, you kind of segregate. I had a friend one time, she said, uh, she goes, I'm at that age where now I am... Uh, I'm categorized by my marital status. Either you're single, never been married, married, married with kids, married without kids. And those categories sometimes are difficult to mix because it just doesn't feel the same. The sad part is we're all looking for validation. We're all looking for relationship. We're all looking to be known and to know people, to have a connection that goes far beyond just a name and a nod and, and a hello and a fist bump and... We need admiration, we need respect, we need gratitude, we need acceptance, we need conversation to, for someone to actually know what we're thinking and what's going on. And so what stops us from connecting? You know, maybe you're not familiar with social anxiety, but it's a real thing. If you could, if you could imagine something that, that really frightens you at a deep level, maybe it's public speaking. They say that's the number one fear people have, the idea that they would have to get up and talk in front of people. 
Or maybe for you, it's, it's a spiders or snakes or clowns. Or... And imagine that sense, even as I'm saying that and I hear some people laughing, but imagine that fear that that, that memory elicits in you and that's what you feel when you anticipate being in a social situation. And like Maddie said, it can be hard when you don't know if they'll like you or what they'll think of you or what they're going to say or what you would say back and what if they say this and you, you play it back and forth in your mind and pretty soon it's easier just to turn around and not open the door. Personality types are different. Some people are outgoing, some people are not. Some are just talkative, some are not. Have you ever been on watching kids on a playground? Maybe your own kids or somebody else. You see that kid who just walks up and says to somebody, Hi, my name's Dennis. Do you want to play? Remember that? And the other kid says, okay. And they're friends and they walk away holding hands. Don't you wish we all were like that or had that or could experience that? Then you see the little kid playing by themselves. And you wonder, will someone please play with that little kid? And you go up and tell other kids, can you go play with them, include them? And then they don't get included, and you wonder how many people are walking around like that, and they're that little kid still, just in a big body and, and a big heart and mind, and their heart is always wondering, will someone play with me? Maybe you're new, and there's all these inside jokes and histories, and you have a history, and the fact is we all have baggage. We always have these issues that we walk around with and carry around that come from our childhood or even before childhood or through you know, school and elementary and middle school and high school. and uh, We have issues. It's kind of that old line, I've met the enemy and he is me. I don't like to look at me. I don't, I'm not really comfortable with you looking at me either if I'm honest, but so, so it is. I don't want to be the problem. I don't, I don't like to see what my shortcomings are, or how I don't measure up, or what I do wrong. And I don't like looking at those things. It can't be me, right? I'm a good person. People, people should like me. I, I try. I have good intentions. I love when Pastor Newby would quote, quote um, Stephen Covey. It's, we tend to judge others by their actions while judging ourselves by our good intentions. I mean, I know what I meant meant. It's their fault that they misinterpreted or don't like me or if they only knew what I meant. I mean, I, I tried. I had good intentions. I, I meant well. And yet when somebody else does something, I immediately know that their intentions were bad. And I judge them by their actions and how they are. Then you have that whole unapproachable cycle. Do you know what I'm talking about by that? There's a lot of these. There's the resting business face. Are you familiar with it, the RBF thing? And you see somebody and they look upset and angry and you're like, you Okay. They're like, yeah, why? Well, you look like you weren't you were happy. And they're like, what are you talking about? Go, well, <laughs> now I am. Now they're unhappy. And you're just like, well, but I just cared. And that's why I was asking. And then I've always wondered, like, well, so what would your unhappy face look like? Can I see that? And like, that never goes over well. I'm just saying, don't do that. <laughs> just saying. How about, how about that prickly cycle? You ever seen that? Where someone's having a bad day or something hasn't gone right or... Maybe just they're on edge that day. And then because of that, people treat them different. And then they're like, why does everybody treat me like that? And you're just more into it. And it just keeps snowballing. And it's like, well, nobody can approach me now. Cause... And then you got that hurt victim cycle where somebody's hurt and they're kind of closed off and cautious. And then people don't approach them and that hurts them. Then they're more hurt and they're more closed off. And then it develops into angry and 
There are legitimate reasons that people feel these ways. And as you walk into a church, no matter what size, even this size, you just don't know. And people have developed these defense mechanisms over their lifetime where you've got to protect your heart. And maybe something happened even early in life and you realize, man, if I do this, then I'm, res- I'm responded to this way, so I'm going to try to not do this. And maybe don't talk a lot because you talked too much as a kid and that was unkind and people were unkind to you about it. Or maybe because of that, you talk too much and you, you overtalk or oh, it's hurt, you're hurt. You just got to protect yourself. Sometimes there's real abuse and you're damaged and trust has been damaged and hurt and you're just tired and you want it to be easier. Want relationships, want it to be. You're hurt, maybe disappointed in church. I heard stories about this even yesterday, yesterday, where people have been hurt. You know what kills me sometimes? It's almost like it's junior high again. Have you ever thought that? (laughs) And it's played in church by adults. I think it's sad that we expect kids to act like adults When we act like kids, we gossip, we name call, we take sides, we give dirty looks, we get our feelings hurt, take our ball and we go home. You know, a lot of elementary schools, they have a reconciliation system. They try to teach kids reconciliation uh, skills. I love this. They'll give them like a think sheet, it's called. You know what they have to do? Anybody never heard of a think sheet? It's kind of divide us quite a bit by age right here. On the think sheet, you have to put down what you did wrong and why it made you feel that way and why you thought that was an appropriate response to make. Then you have to put down, it, they vary depending on the school or whatever. Then you have to put down what, how I could express my hurt emotions better. And they help kids process through this. Then, they, then it doesn't end there. For most of them, you have to go and reconcile with the other, the other person you hurt. And you have to use your I words and you have to say, when this happened, I did this and I'm sorry. Can you imagine what it would be like if adults would do that? I mean, really, if we would actually own what we did wrong and say, I did this and I felt like this and this is why. And I think a lot of times we don't even know why. We just we're reacting out of pain, maybe from the past or something that's happened or somebody said something or they we misinterpreted a look on their face or something happened. And we we make these judgments like this. And when we do it, it's so unfair. You know, we never know what somebody's struggling with. You just don't know. You know, we come into church and we're smiling and you all look beautiful today and and um, it's not like you're going to wear all that on your sleeve and somebody says, how are you doing? And what do you, you always say, I'm doing good or fine or everything's great. And it's not that it is all the time because it's not always appropriate timing to say everything, but you really can't make a judgment based on a facial expression. You just can't. And you can't know what they're carrying through or going through or what they're ashamed of or what they're working through or what, what, what are they're carrying. And sometimes it's all alone. And they're desperately needing somebody to care and have a friend and make a connection. Those smiles and the I'm good can hide a lot of pain. A lot of times we bring our past hurts into the situation and we project that onto people not knowing what they're really, really dealing with. But, but God can do a miracle and God can change all that. And he could do for you what he did for Maddie. That can happen for you. It can. 
But, but for that to work, we, we have to choose to do things. We have to make choices. We have to change things. All of us. You know, God gives us this free will, and we, we have a choice in everything we do. Whether we, can, we live with the victim status that we've had and the things that have happened to us, but we can break a cycle there, and we can become part of the solution, not just, again, a part of the problem. The fact is, we need each other desperately. On the video, we had this verse. I want to read that again. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You know that's, you know, one of the powerful things about Solomon writing, like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, is a lot of it you read it and you're like, well, yeah, but yeah, do we often think of it like that? A lot of times we go through life hurt and all alone and we push people away because either they're not equipped to help us or we don't even recognize our pain and we don't even know why we're not connecting. But the fact is we do need each other and not everybody's going to click all the time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Pollyannish about that. I don't think everything is perfect all the time. But we do need people in our lives. We need people to positively encourage us, to hold us accountable, to love us through hard times, to to correct us and yet help us work on things. But I don't know about you. I don't really want correction from everybody. Do you? No? You don't want everybody to be complaining about you. You want want it to be people who really care about you and love you and are going to walk you through it and listen and and know your story and, and help win with you and celebrate when things are good for you. I'll give you this truth, though. It's a risk worth taking. When I heard Maddie talk about driving an hour to church, I realized it's worth it for her to do that. It's worth it. And what are we willing to do? I mean, it's worth it. You may not think of it this way, but there are people here in this church, just like every church and every group of people who are hurting. And maybe, maybe they're hurting in a way that you could actually be a help to in a way that you had no idea. I just, I just wrote down some things. Single moms, we've got widows, we've got hurting husbands, we've got high school seniors, we've got junior high girls who feels unloved and alone, we've got men in midlife crisis that are evaluating their self-worth and wondering, was it all worth it? Did I just waste my life? You've got older saints who feel like, and they do have incredible life experience, but nobody's asking. They wonder if they're even valued and got people drowning in debt and people struggling with alcohol and other addictions and people questioning their faith and their worldview and Average, everyday people who just need a loving, caring church to be the church. But you have to do something. You have to do something. You can walk in and out and say hello and out and nothing change. You can do that. And some people, that's a beginning and they do that. And that's fine. You can do that. What I'm saying, though, is you can change something. You can look at you and say, what do I need to change? Or what do I need? And what can I give? And what part can I be in this? When we say that the model for our church is to love God and love others, we mean that. It's a perfect, imperfectly goal for us. We don't say we do it all perfect. We say that we're imperfectly trying to perfect that. The church is supposed to be a family where you maybe not see eye to eye, but you still staying together and you work it out and you, you live together and you find a way to make that work. If I could have the worship team join me. There's so much in scripture talking about community 
in the church. It's amazing. It's amazing how much we could talk about. In 1 John 4, he says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that God loved us, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Then he says this, dear friends, let me say it to you, dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. In Colossians, Paul writes, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. <laughs> There's not a lot of room in there. Don't we want to hold on to our offense, though, sometimes? Doesn't it feel more comfortable? We feel entitled to it. One of our Wednesday night groups is doing that book, Unoffendable, and I know he talk, the author talks about that a lot, but we feel entitled to a certain amount of offense. Like, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know the look they give. You don't know how they ignored me or how they chose this other friend or they talked about me. And I could go on because that's real life, right? But you can choose to be unoffended and love and forgive. It's hard work, but you can do it. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Maddie said in her video that she was thankful for the opportunity to keep trusting him. I was blown away by that line. She was thankful for the opportunity to keep trusting God. Do you ever think of it that way? I think about this because I think a lot of us, we come to him and we're like, God, you haven't done this yet and that yet and that yet and that yet. And when are you going to? And he gives us the opportunity to trust him. What I'm asking you to do today, challenging you to do today, takes a lot of trust. And it takes him working in you and takes him working in the next person and the next person and the next person. It takes a lot. But you do have the opportunity to trust him today. She said also that there were open doors to serve and she never really felt like serving before. And because of her gratitude for all of that, God has put it on her heart to serve and be involved. And I'm just telling you, you connect with people serving like no other way. You see a common heart, you have a common goal and you're working toward a purpose and it's like you're working together, you're, you're, you're doing something together. All of this takes work, it takes caring and follow-up and listening and hearing what people say. And maybe if you're my age, you take notes to remember when, when they said what. And you connect with people outside of church. For some of you, this is a big one. You're going to have to forgive. Forgiveness is hard. It's hard sometimes. Maybe you feel like they don't deserve it or the person hasn't been remorseful enough or for whatever reason, legit reason, you feel like it's not the same. I'm going to invite people to the altar. I'd like everybody to stand. And those of you who are prepared to help us pray, if you're on the staff or board or spouse, if you would come forward. And I want to encourage you this way as you're thinking about this for a minute. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. 
I'm wondering if maybe someone here, you need to extend forgiveness to somebody. And it's not fair. It's not right. I'm not saying it is. Maybe you just need forgiven. Maybe you realize that your heart has been hard toward people or somebody or you've held on to a grievance. Maybe you need, you need some hurts that are healed. Maybe you need more of God's spirit in your life. You want to be filled with the spirit or maybe you look and you read that list of the fruit of the spirit and you realize I'm lacking in some area. Maybe you just need to come here and leave some pain at the altar today. Maybe you realize that you weren't grateful for some things and God has spoken to you in some way. Maybe you just need a breakthrough with him. Healing. Whatever that is. I'm going to invite you to pray as the worship team leads us. I'm going to invite you to come and have somebody pray with you for one of those things. So come now if you're willing to make some changes in one of those areas. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am made I will see the goodness of God In all my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will see the goodness of God Oh, yeah Cause your goodness is running after It's running It's running after me With my life laid down Surrender now I'm giving everything Cause your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me
Prayer is going to continue here at the at the altar if you're praying. I just want to challenge you with, with this. I want you to remember that things don't necessarily end here. We can. I mean, I, God does miracles. There's no question. I've seen it. The truth is, though, that we have to take this and change things. We, we have to want that. We have to strive for it. We have to protect it, work for it. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I want to encourage you to join one of our classes. Our Sunday classes are awesome. We have classes through the week. Our groups that meet, connect groups. I know Iron Men for the guys is this Tuesday. We have Wednesday classes. It's not too late to sit in in those. They're great. Prime Timers is kicking off in March. We have a blood drive coming up in March. There's a lot of things where you can connect. I want to encourage you to have a story like Maddie's. It's an awesome story. All right, God bless you. Go and love one another. Amen.